Welcome to episode 5 of the High Five Download Podcast. Uh, my co-host... Hello, I'm Demetrio. Or and Demi, a.k.a. Demi, or a.k.a. Demetrio. Demetrio, Demi. <laughs> You'll hear us refer to him uh, in both those uh, names. Um, today's topic is top 5 comic book series of all time. And this is, you know, not necessarily like the definitive, like... It's our own personal top five. That's what we're doing. You know, that's what we do on this podcast. It's a, it's our own personal top fives. So, you know, a lot of the times you may agree. A lot of the times you may disagree. Um, but today we do have a special guest. Um, yeah, once again, I'm Chris Brun, co-host of uh, the High Five Download podcast. Um, and we do have a special guest today. I consider him a comic book expert. None other than Jeff Foster, Professor Grandpa. Um, what else do you go Professor by? Grandpa. He's the professor. And we think with a P at Mile High Comics, a pimp, the pricer, the professor. Now it's the <laughs> professor, they say. So uh, we got my friend Jeff here, my coworker as well. Um, <laughs> I don't I, know about that expert thing, but... Professor Jim. Let's just consider doing, him a, a comic book connoisseur then. There you All go. Right. We'll call I it that. Like collecting it. these and reading them since the 70s, so there you go. It's... Uh, old school here what's your, what's your most what, do you still have any of those comics that you read in the 70s a few do you, what's your most valuable comic to you oh that you have from that's your oldest and most valuable would be you mean in personal oh no it would be all probably of the above value yeah. sentimental yeah. and everything yeah. would probably yep. be the first appearance of wolverine nice Hulk nice. 181 Incredibly, yeah, he was, he was first. And I just acquired it a few days ago. <laughs> nice. I did buy it off the rack when it came out for wow. 25 cents, wow. but wow. one of them 4Ds, mm -hmm. I succumbed to the debt one a couple of times. Uh, okay. uh, it was great to have something to fall back on. By the way, we, we, we need to explain the 4Ds. This is, uh, the 4Ds are what cause, are the four most leading causes of getting rid, purging your comic book collection. So <laughs> without further ado, Jeff, the 4Ds. People get rid of comic books for four reasons, pretty much death, divorce, debt, and drugs. But it's nice to have something to fall back on. I, I'm here to read comics before I collect them, so it's nice to it be all rolls up into desperation. Yeah, no, no, I'm still I'm still waiting to turn my uh, my complete 2099 series into something worthwhile, money wise. Yeah, any day now. Well, when they make that movie or video game, you'll <laughs> yeah, be all set. Exactly. <laughs> Can't wait for that. Okay, so um, I guess we're just going to dive in and get started and start talking about our top five comic book series of all time. So let's go to our guest, Jeff, with his number five personal comic book series. Yeah, number five is a hard... This is a really hard thing for me and I because I've read so many series and I've recommended so many things to so many people, but the number five for me just jumped in there today because I had something else in there but it dropped out and it's a uh, got to be the the new book that the newer book that got me back into comics myself when I fell out after being a teenager because I discovered girls and concerts and stuff I went ah comics those are for kids and then my roommate at the time in 1986 said you must read this comic book called The Dark Knight Returns by Frank Miller and that uh, was the book that spawned me back into reading books again and getting back into the medium and realized the 
motto of DC that came about a year later, but I realized that that night when I read it was, DC Comics aren't just for kids. And boy, wasn't that the <laughs> truth with that book. Yeah, kind of very, uh, very landmark issue, you know, kind of, kind of, yeah, it did make comics more adult. It kind of, I mean, it turned Batman kind of more into an anti-hero for a while, too, as far as that series go. It definitely brought a darker, I mean, this is not your holy moly Batman, holy, you know, <laughs> bat, shark repellent spray Batman, right, you right. know, this was a gritty. Yeah. Because for a long time, everybody only knew Batman was from the Batman 66 TV show with Adam West. And so, you know, whenever you thought of Batman, that's who you immediately thought of. And this book, when this came out, I mean, I was, I think, 10 at the time. But later on, when I got into comics, I understood, okay, wow, this this affected a lot of people because they had never seen Batman like this before. So, Well, I think the thing that drew me to it the most at first was when my friend Jim said, I asked myself, well, why... What's so, what's so right. different about right. this book? He goes, well, he's like 50, 60 years old, and I'm like, what? I gotta, <laughs> I gotta check this out. And that one, right. that first splash page where he's jumping after yeah. the thunder, he's like, yeah. every muscle hurts, every bone is right. aching, every right. that bit really, of my that realistic tone to it, like you know, like you you've read Batman comics before when you were a kid, and he never talked about like him, him aching or you know like his. His inner monologue was more about, like, was just to drive the plot. Like, oh, I've, I found this knife, and now I have to go find the criminal who, you know, whatever. The but, detective work. Right, the detective work. And so this was, like, the first time where, you know, you felt like, oh, this could be, like, a real person. There's a real person behind that mask and his suffering and his delusional, uh, you know, his, just, you know, his, all, his whole mindset, I think, you know, was yeah, more explored. Definitely so. took just, like, the whole storytelling to a more, I don't know, just a richer, more in-depth, you know, I would say. Word. Yeah, I can't argue with that. Definitely yeah. worthy of a top five. Um, I guess I'll go next. Go for it. Go in yeah, a circle here. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go with it. It's a pretty uh, relatively new series. It's now ended, but um, I'm going to go with the 2012 Hawkeye series from oh. Marvel. And uh, my buddy Jeff here actually recommended it to me, and I ended up reading it, and I ended up really enjoying it. Um, it was 22 issues by Matt Fraction. And David, I don't know how you say his name, Asia, Asia, Asia. Um, the Seely Dan album was yeah. spelled Asia. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> let's call him David Asia. David Asia. Yeah. David Asia, but I mean, it was just, it was kind of the same thing as well, you know? I mean, I don't think Hawkeye would have existed without the Dark Knight. I mean, it's he's kind of an anti-hero as well. He's your everyday man hero, you know, he doesn't have superpowers. superpowers. So, I yeah. mean, he's kind of self-loathing, you know, right. he lays yeah. around and... Is all beat up all the time. Eats yeah. pizza. Has a dog that loves pizza. Um, I mean, it's it's. I mean, yeah. So well, I well, mean, the thing that was really cool about that series for me was uh, he lived in that. Uh, well, he bought the apartment building eventually, but he lived in that building with all those different types of people, and he and they. It was more of a book about the community and how they survived. The bros, the Russian yeah. gangster dudes. Yeah, exactly, the Russian gangster <laughs> And how they all came together as a community then, under Hawkeye to, oh. to And to also fight. how he, he, he mentored, uh, you know, the Kate Bishop Hawkeye character as well. Kate. Like, she was kind of a pretty pivotal character in that, in that series as well. But, I mean, it's just so... Matt Fraction puts in little, like, strange, bizarre Easter eggs and stuff. You know, like, he references, like... 
Bruce Kulick, like one of the sixth <laughs> guitarists for that was in Kiss, you know, like it's, you know they're talking about Bruce Springsteen being the boss, and he's like, no man, Bruce Kulick, dude, <laughs> like like it's just so bizarre, like that that well, that, that exists in like a, a Marvel comic and dialogue like that. You that know? makes sense though, because I feel like that I read a few issues of that, and I still need to finish it. Um, but it, may, it kind of makes sense because I think like Hawkeye, who is from the Avengers, that he's a, he's a Marvel comic book character who is in the Avengers movie. But I think in the comics he was always second rate because I think the joke has been made over and over again among all these super powered beings. He's just a guy with a bow and arrow. Yeah. And so for him to recognize, you know, not like like you said, like in the story where it's the boss is you know the boss is Bruce Springsteen. No, the boss is just this other the second rate guitarist who played for Kiss. Yeah. Once when, in a when you know, the once makeup one time. came off. Yeah. Like yeah. One of their like. <laughs> Kind of so weakest be, era. Yeah, that, 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 help, that helps to sort of like, you know, like yeah. support his character. I mean, and, you know, who knows? Maybe Matt Fraction really did intend that, or you just, you know, <laughs> maybe we're reading a little too much, but I don't know, man. Maybe. I, I'm a big fan of Matt Fraction's writing, so. Um, yeah. Kind of. I'll, I'll read. references. Yeah, I'll read pretty much anything he puts out right now, for sure. Cool. Um, awesome. That's what got me into Matt Fraction, was that I investigated a lot more of his work after reading the Hawkeye book. Yeah. Okay, well, my number five is The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, Volume 1 by Alan Moore. Um, yeah. Nice. This is, and there, there's been a movie. A movie came out uh, a little while ago. With, with <laughs> Sean Connery. And Sean Connery. That wasn't, you, you have to read the book. It's two totally different things. Uh, the book is nothing compared to the movie other than it's basically a, a team-up of a bunch of um, early 20th century, late 19th century um, literary characters. That it's basically like a superhero book that they team up together. Um, your uh, Captain Nemo, your Doctor Jekyll, Mister Hyde, your Invisible Man, and to battle you know evil forces. And Alan Moore just you know he, he's such a God, he's such like a genius when it comes to like knowing all these old stories, all these old books and things like that. That he had so much depth in these in these in this comic book um, that you can read it over and over and still not get all of the references that he throws in there. I mean, even things that are just in the background. And the artist, I think, is a guy named Kevin O'Neill, who is just so, I mean, yep. his detail is amazing in that book. Um, and just, yeah, I think I think volume one is the place to start. Um, it's probably the best one. I think volume two, <laughs> volume three definitely goes off the rails, you know, with Alan Moore and just kind of gets a little strange. Um, but I would say definitely start with volume one. That is the best. Yeah. Well, it's an outstanding book, though. Kevin O'Neill, actually some of the later volumes, Alan Moore was writing it to give Kevin O'Neill something to do for employment. Oh, That's really? how cool a guy wow. he is. Wow. Yeah, his, one thing about Alan that's, Moore, that's I'm crazy. a big that's crazy. He wouldn't be employed he, by other comic book companies to do stuff because he's well, he, His incredible. research is amazing. He just does yeah. tons. Of, like that From Hell book that he did, he researched Moore, for like yeah. seven, eight years. Wow. But all that League of Extraordinary stuff. And then the... the the one character I really liked was the the vampire lady. I can't oh, remember. Mina Harker. Yeah, there yeah, you yeah, go. So yeah, she's yeah. she's kind of the the pseudo leader of of the league. Um, yeah, and, and, and you know, strong female strong role female for role. late nineteenth exactly. century. Right, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it's a great book. I, and the yeah. movie, you know, all these comic book movies, they they all subscribe to the Stephen King philosophy. What's the that? book is better. <laughs> Right. Yeah, most I mean, it's pretty. I mean, yeah. I mean, nothing Especially against something like that. Film. So I mean, yeah. Alan Moore has put so much detail and, re mm -hmm. and research and this stuff yeah. that they 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 do what they can on the big screen. Exactly. So great choice. Right. Oh, thank you. What is your number four? 
Number four, Jeff. My number four, well, as long as we're talking about Alan Moore, one of my honorable mentions is The Watchmen. It didn't make my top five. It made the top 100 greatest novels of all time on time. But uh, the reason I didn't go with The Watchmen is because... Uh, the movie. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I went with something else by Alan Moore. But anyway. Yeah, my number four is old school 1970s stuff. 1970 is when the first part of this came out. It was a Denny O'Neill, Neil Adams, Green Lantern, Green Arrow run. Nice. The most important thing about that run was uh, the McCarthy era brought the Comics Code Authority upon us and censorship was became a really big thing in the country and especially with uh, comics, they were scrutinized immensely and if it wasn't goody two shoes and campy, it didn't get printed. <laughs> well, Julius Schwartz, uh, who was running DC at the time, pulled a... Uh, Denny O'Neill and Neil Adams in and said, I want to relaunch Green Lantern or, you know, go in a new direction with the Green Arrow. And Neil Adams' famous line was, that's a lot of green. Green Lantern and Green Arrow <laughs> on the same cover, huh? Yeah, and the first issue was all green, too. But anyway, the main reason it was such a groundbreaking series is because of Neil Adams' great artwork. Of course, he would really hit his stride there. But it was the stories that they told of social awareness, you know, civil rights, women's rights, the political issues of the time. I mean, the, the Kent State, the the right wing versus the Hawks. I mean, the, the Hawks and the Dubs, Vietnam War. Drugs I mean, too, right? The yeah, drugs, and that's yeah. the famous speedy issues. I yeah. mean, Stan Lee did, did do the Spider-Man issues first with no code. But, I mean, this run had one of the heroes, I mean, the Green Arrow sidekick was a heroin addict. Right. I mean, in the Marvel story, they never really said what the drug was. The guy was on, you know, they yeah. wanted to fly off a building. I yeah, think we right. know what, There was probably a couple there, but I mean, the Green Arrow sidekick, Speedy, was, you know, succumbed. It was a groundbreaking series. And another thing I thought about was, uh, you know, the Black Panther was kind of the first true black superhero, but the uh, first black Green Lantern, John Stewart, came out of that run, too, at the end. Really? Yeah. yeah. Awesome. One thing that was really cool is they took one of the Guardians from Ola and pretty much threw him in a bike. Because the Green Arrow was telling Green Lantern, you know, the country's going through a lot of changes, and you need to see what's going on. It was kind of like an easy rider thing, because they <laughs> went all over the country on bikes and went and checked right. out what was going on. So it was kind of a... Tribute to the Hopper Fonda classic, but nice. yeah, a couple of newer books I was thinking about got bumped out because I realized how important that run was, even when I was a kid. Yeah, yeah, that's one. Of, that's on my never-ending pile of to-read list. I actually bought the reprints. They, there was a reprint series that had them all reprinted. And oh yeah. I while we were sorting comics at Mile High, came across those, and I'm like, I got it. You know, mm -hmm. they weren't affordable because it's not the you know original story. Obviously, those ones are pretty pricey. But yeah, so that's I have like this. That's what I realized making this list, man. I have so much to read <laughs> that I need to read. You know, right. Um, so my Join number, the club. yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. So my number four is another one that's pretty new, actually, 2011, Batwoman by J. H. Williams the third. Um, cool. 
I'm gonna include the like detective work, <laughs> detective work, the work he did in the detective yeah. comics. The whole run. Yeah, the yeah, whole his brilliant. whole run. It ended at issue 24, I believe. Yeah. And um, but man, he the 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 first arc was written by Greg Rucka, and that was called like Illogy, and it was really really it was really good. I read that first. I'm like, wow, this the story's great, but the art is just phenomenal. It's so, you, you know, it's he's, like... He's kind of a painter. Yeah, it's like, like he paints, paints, but it's like psychedelic, but mm-hmm. it's like real. Right. It's just... It does it's, lots of homage to different people, like right. in the Promethean run. There was like Picasso. And artwork. Well, and just, it doesn't follow your normal like comic book. Like you think of a comic book, you think of like there's four panels on a page, oh, yeah. panels, yeah. and he doesn't do that. He'll paint and one page will flow into another. Yeah, and he'll have like <laughs> 11 panels that are shaped like a... <laughs> A rainbow or something, right, you know, right, just right. really, yeah. the art's phenomenal, the story's Challenges pretty great, too, I enjoyed it, and, you know, it's nice to see them, you know, Kate Kane is the Batwoman, and she's, like, an open lesbian, and it's nice to see them, you know, be, you know, have have a, a positive role a positive model, role, you know, female role models, and, you yeah. know, she's awesome, she's a badass, and I, I just... I really enjoyed that series. I've just read that within the past two or three years. And well, her girlfriend's the commissioner of Gotham City. I mean, that was quite the right, quite the outstanding lesbian yeah. relationship. and that's what apparently J.H. Wing left the series because they wanted to have her get married. And right. I don't know why the powers that be said no, that's too much or something. You know? Yeah, yeah. Come on, DC. What the I heck? Mean, there not? have been so many gay relationships <laughs> in comics. I I still wonder yeah. why they shot that one why down because down, he yeah. left the book and so did everybody that was reading yeah, the book. Exactly. Yeah, failed afterwards. And they, yeah. Yeah, it got canceled at issue forty. So yeah. they just so that threw some filler out for about twelve issues and then. Right. Well, and I, I even would flip through them and, and I was just like, oh man, this is just so disappointing. It's not what it was. It, it was, yeah. It, he definitely had a, a vision of where he was going with it. And when he left, when he was forced to leave abruptly, the, the book just wasn't. Yeah. Just, he, he was the book. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, so. what, what it makes him special, I've realized, is in his artwork, is his page layout. He has become the visionary of page, I mean, like you were saying, with the flow and everything. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. yeah. It's there like, was this one book in Promethea. Every page, if you took them all and laid them out, it would have been like a twenty-four page wow. picture. Wow! They, each page connected yeah. to it was. Insane. He did. A, he did. He recently did uh, the Sandman, and that was. He did some wild that. stuff oh, in that. Yeah. <laughs> Kaleidoscope. Like, I, it's like the he's like the Sergeant Pepper of comic book artists. <laughs> you know? like, yeah, but the the Batwoman though he wrote that and he learned from. The best Alan to write. Moore. Alan Moore. Alan Here we Moore. go again. Yeah, that's in my other stack of stuff to read. So. Yeah. Cool. The right. Batwoman right. was his crowning achievement as far as I'm concerned. The Sandman was really good too, but Batwoman, that was, he took Bat- that thing oh, under his arm. I'm like, Batwoman, who the hell wants to write, read this book? <laughs> yeah. And it was unreal. Yeah. yeah. Good choice, bro. All right. All right. My number four is called We Three by uh, Grant Morrison and Frank Quietly. Oh, um, I've read that. I've read that. <laughs> I, I have read that. Found one, got one that Brun has read. Nice. All yes. Right. Way to go, Brun. Mm, I haven't it's, read it, but it's I only know like the one graphic team novel. Is great. Right? It's, it's just one graphic novel. Yeah. It's, oh, it's, it's okay. real. Yeah, it wasn't a series. It was just one book that came out. Um, it's basically a cross between Terminator and The Incredible Journey. It's about this story about these three pets that are oh, stolen by the government and turned into like living weapons, and it is extremely violent and heartbreaking and heartwarming and just 
moving and it's brilliant. And that's and it, you you can read that story and it is one of the first stories where I felt like well sorry the first comic book story that I ever read that I felt I could actually probably cry. I'm probably gonna cry right now just thinking about it. The, but it is amazing. The it artwork's is, freaking amazing. Yeah, Frank Wiley is a great artist, yeah. and uh, he'll show up again on my list pretty soon here. So. Now that you mentioned that, you should check out um, this book called Rover Red Charlie by Garth Ennis. And it's Garth, um, Frank um, Wiley? Frank Wiley's in the one he just mentioned. No, I mean the Rover. No, no, no. Oh, Rover but it's Red. because it's similar. It's yeah, similar. The, the, dogs, the premise yeah. is it's mm, like the yeah. end of the world kind of happens. It's not quite like a zombie apocalypse. These people just go crazy and start killing each other. And it's like told, these dogs are like, it's told through the eyes of these dogs, you know. Oh, that's pretty these cool. three dogs. So, I mean, <laughs> they're, yeah. you know, like. Well, that's what's kind of cool about, about We Three, too, is that there's not a lot of dialogue in the story. Mm-hmm. It's very, because the dogs have learned to communicate, but it's very simple, like, you know, yeah. one word. One command that they tell that they talk to yeah. each other and talk to well, maybe talk to humans and, too. Yeah, but uh, yeah, good stuff. And Hawkeye had a dog issue. Emotion. My number five had a dog issue. Yeah, too. I, I, so it turns I out we love that. comics. <laughs> yeah. Dogs, dogs, them. Well, no, the dog dogs perspective. Be yeah. <laughs> had a what was the Superman book? All Star Superman. That would be in a lot of people's top fives, and that's oh, that uh, Grant Morrison too, and Frank Quietly. Also, that, that, that is what could, it could be. I said that we'll get back to Frank quietly soon, so. <laughs> oh, pardon me. I can not so. blow our load so soon. <laughs> numero tres. Yeah, more old school. Yeah, I had to go with this as number three because I read it like three times as a kid in the 70s, and I've probably read it twice since. It's the, the Jim Starlin space opera, the Thanos... Uh, Storylines from the seventies, the uh, Warlock one especially, that uh, cosmic marvel. He brought the cosmic. He opened up the door to the cosmic realm. I mean, Stan right. and Jack did with Galactus and the Silver Surfer, and then Jim Starlin brought Thanos in. He created Thanos. Yeah, and Iron Man fifty five. Stan Lee hated him, kicked him <laughs> off the book, and so he started doing Captain Marvel. And, yeah, Jim Starlin was quite a cosmic kind of dude, if right. you get my drift there, in the early <laughs> 70s. And started doing Captain Marvel. The letters came in, pouring in about how great Thanos was. Stan Lee bit his tongue and said, yeah, okay. And Jim Starlin says, I have a big space opera cosmic storyline to do around Captain Marvel. And so... They brought Thanos in there, kind of, but then the second one with Warlock was the first major, long, drawn-out storyline of the cosmic Marvel era with everybody got pulled in. He brought Gamora in, so that's one of the it's your Guardians of the Galaxy. He was the first Drax the Destroyer. Wow. Thanos was, uh, you know, pretty much... All powerful, so they had to bring the Avengers in, and which is what they're going to end up doing now. Yeah, <laughs> well, then, yeah, and, and, and that's that's the thing is that's what's going to spawn come, all come this. Circle, right? Yeah, well, how, how do you feel about that? Thirty now, years later, Stanley. thirty years later, well, the precursor to the to the Infinity storylines, and Jim mm-hmm. Starlin wrote all that stuff right. too. But the main thing was with the Warlock storyline. I was a big fan of the character because he was such a tragic character because he uh, didn't have a soul. But he had a gem on his forehead that if he he would suck your soul into himself. <laughs> so he'd, he he had a rough time there trying to deal with a lot of that stuff. 
Then they end up dying. So that was one of the first major deaths in Marvel Comics, too. Mm. So you had to bring up the, the old school Jim Starlin because it was a brilliant run. Awesome. Cool. cool. All right, my number three is our writer we were discussing earlier, Brian K. Vaughn, and it would be his series, Why the Last Man, DC Vertigo series. Um, Another one of those Good I one. just kind of heard. So many people reference it a lot, and I figured... Hey, I'm just gonna pick up the first uh, trade and check it out, and then I got hooked and read the entire series in probably I don't know, two three weeks maybe. Yeah, quick read. Um, yeah, and it, it's it quick and the premises. If you haven't heard of it, it's you know, uh, this plague kind of hits the hits the world, and basically anything carrying a Y chromosome dies, except for our main character Yorick um, and his monkey named Ampersand. And, uh, <laughs> I mean, and apparently it's being adapted into a TV show now, mm -hmm. and uh, yeah. we kept, you know, me and Jeff read this kind of together, actually, like, we were, we we were, like, one issue back or one trade back and forth, you know, yep. reading it, and, like, we, I'd come into work on Monday, did you catch up on why, what's up, what'd you think, you know, and we, we kind of uh, definitely enjoyed reading that together, but it, it, I think it's a great, it'll make a great TV series if done right, you know. Right. It's going to be on like FX. Walking Dead, yeah. When yeah. we heard it was going to be on TV, the first thing Brun said is, what station? And I went, yeah, no <laughs> kidding. And I went yeah. on my phone, FX, thank station. goodness there is Yeah, both. I mean, if they're doing Fargo and all these other really good shows, you know. American have, Horror Story. Yeah, I have you know, faith in really And good. they'll be able to push, I mean, it, they'll be able to push, push the envelope on it, too. Yeah. Um, it's a well, great it, series to read yeah, it, it, it lend, Yeah, it lends itself to, to TV, to like a serial kind of like thing because yeah. it's about, it's got a mystery behind it, like why was he the only man to survive mm -hmm. and, you know, what's, you know, how did everybody else die and, yeah. you know, how can he, what's he going to do now? And he's trying and so, to reconnect with his girlfriend who's over in Australia. Right, so, I right, mean, right. And that, he started in Boston. Yeah, and that, so mm -hmm. I mean, it's kind of this epic journey, right. you know, this mm -hmm. odyssey kind of type of deal. So, mm -hmm. it, I mean, it's like classic storytelling. Yeah. With the modern yeah. twist and lots of pop culture references in there as well that like, you know the part where the the woman's mourning the Beatles and the and the rest of the Rolling Stones and all these bands that have died you know mm -hmm. and uh, right oh yeah yeah that was one of the coolest thing one of the things I remember was like one the intro to one of the issues was just imagine a world where ninety nine percent of the world leaders are gone <laughs> and where all of the athletes are gone all you know it's like yeah. and all but they're still farmers but that was not my top five that's what got kicked out for the dark night today was why the last man it is a brilliant book and and i thought i had considered brian cave on saga as well but it's still in the middle of it you know so yeah I, that's it's the thing not a complete why the last series man. yet so a yeah lot, a lot of the ones we're talking about is that they've finished and that so was kind far. of the it was 60 issues and i think it was just right you know it ended yeah. just they yeah. didn't draw it out too long like lost the tv show maybe or so <laughs> you know i mean it had yeah. a nice Concise ending, right, you know. Right. So well, you, you know, a book is good is when you come into work to get volume eight and you're sold out and you want to punch a hole in the wall. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. I'm gonna read something else tonight. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So my number three is we're gonna get a little more traditional with my next two. So my number three is Batman and Robin Volume One by again Grant Morrison and Frank Quietly. Nice. Yeah, yeah, these, these, these two, these two, are my all-star guys. Um, yeah. I could probably read anything these guys could do. Um, uh, Graham Morrison, the writer, Frank Wiley, the artist. Uh, so basically what this is, is 
Batman is missing or he's considered dead or he's gone. Basically, Bruce Wayne is gone. And so the first Robin, Dick Grayson, has grown up and he decides to become Batman. And in the meantime, before Batman disappeared or died or whatever, uh, he had a son who's now 10 years old. His name's Damien, Damien Wayne. <laughs> so they decide to become Batman and Robin. And what's good about it is that it's it really lends itself to like, it basically, it takes these existing conditions. We all know that like Batman from like, from example, The Dark Knight Returns, he's this you know, brooding character, dark, you know, um, extremely serious. And Robin is the, like like Chris was saying, the holy holy this, holy that Batman kind of character. This just flips it because now we have Batman, a Batman who used to be Robin, who used to be the cheery Robin. So now Batman is the cheery one. And this young boy who is taking this way too seriously because of his upbringing. So now he's the serious one. And it just, it's, it's not a complicated narrative. It just... It allows these characters to just get used to their you you follow these characters as they, as they get used to their new roles, and it just that allows it to just the story to just flow. Oh, that's it's, a great book. It's good I, stuff. I definitely enjoyed it. Have you read it? Brian? No, I need to. And it's it's good up until I think like read, it, and then it kind of like uh, Frank like all kind of Grant Morrison stories. It starts to get a little weird as it goes on. Um, but that first volume, I think those first like yep. six issues, really simple, really good stuff. Um, well, and him having to keep Damien in tow right, was a really good thing. Yeah, because yeah, of the stuff. League of Assassins upbringing yeah, and all was, that. Yes, he wants he to get a little over the line a couple yeah. of times. So he has like, a no, really good to teach. He basically <laughs> teach him how to be a superhero. Is what yeah, he's exactly. Doing. Yeah. And not as an, an assassin. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so that's my number three. Very good. Very good. All number right. two, Jeff. Whew. Number two. Oh, that's easy. Uh, that would be The Sandman by Neil Gaiman. Yeah, that's a Very nice. no, no cool. doubt there. Remember after the crisis on Infinite Earths in the 80s and all the relaunches of Burns, Superman, the Miller of Year One, Batman, George Perez, Wonder Woman, The Flash, Jackson Geist, etc., etc. Remember going into Mile High on Alameda and Broadway and picking up the new books going... The Sandman, the dude with a gas mask? I don't look like no dude with no gas mask from the <laughs> 40s, a detective, Sherlock Holmes-looking guy. <laughs> Went home, the Sam Keith artwork, not like the Max artwork. It was more like reading, like, Bertie Wrightson style. And I was trying to figure, what the heck? And next thing I know, they're bringing in House of Mystery people, Cain and Abel, you know, the stuff that I had, all mm-hmm. the, the uh, more mystical... Uh, Almost the occult side of the DC universe with uh, all the with Dead Man and all that stuff, and I was like, "Wow, this is different." Told my friend about it. Went back next week and bought another copy, and just kept gobbling it up. And yeah, found out Neil Gaiman learned to write from Alan Moore. <laughs> but what I'm I really to see a pattern here. <laughs> yeah. Well, what was well, what was um, well, yeah, Alan Moore just gave him a script and said, "This mm-hmm. is how I do it," and yeah. he kind of took it to heart, but. I've been always been into mythology, you know, and mm-hmm. Greek mythology, Norse mythology, all, all yeah, not just, all kinds of mythology. And Neil Gaiman created a mythology for yeah. the modern age with the Endless. You know, he kind of yeah. covered everything with yeah. destiny, death, yeah, dream, desire, and despair. The twins, destruction. The other 70s. And <laughs> Deli- yeah, and Delight, who became Delirium in the 20th century. Gee, imagine that. We'll just go read some Edgar Allan Poe. Right. You probably know why that is. But Destruction, I mean, he left the Endless because 
he, mankind didn't really need his guidance anymore. We're, right. we're doing fine on our own with yeah. that, you know, but we'll always need somebody to keep us in tow in the dream realm, that's for certain. And it, another thing that was really good about it is it brought, I'm into social awareness and stuff, mm-hmm. and, and Neil Gaiman brought a lot of stuff into the Sandman at the time that was very controversial, especially with all the gay relationships and more drug use and AIDS and right. I mean, there was one issue was the serial killer convention. I mean, he actually <laughs> went into the minds of serial killers and they didn't fare too well by the end of that issue though. Morpheus took care of them, but it was just such a an a. a a different approach to the medium. That's that what I was about to say. Yeah, pushing the definitely pushing what you would consider a traditional the comic book medium right. storytelling to it. Well, yeah, and he brought level. and he almost and he brought kind of like a real writing kind of approach to comics that and he left comics pretty much behind to go do children's stuff on the BBC and write New York Times bestselling yeah. novels of movies, uh, and tons, yeah. a whole bunch of them. But yeah, it was nice to. He brought sophistication to comics. Exactly. Alan Moore started to, but he was a little bit of a wackadoodle. Yeah. <laughs> Neil Gaiman was much more sophisticated and kind of the, the smooth guy. Mm-hmm. But yeah. he brought a lot of that controversy in there too. And the letters page of the Sandman was half the people were like, I don't want anything to do with the trade. <laughs> yeah. Because of the the mothers against. <laughs> so, yeah, there was a lot of moms that were. That's always arms. moms against something, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> Sam Keith just did the first like little story. It's the arc first volume, yeah. Yeah, yeah my first Green series. Did. Well, one thing uh, he had different storylines in mind, and Neil Gaiman would not write a word until he knew who the artist was going to be, because he would yeah. try and work it to their right. Style. So how, how, many their how many different artists were on the whole? Run? Well, there were ten stories, maybe like a dozen. Well, there were ten, but. There were 75, there was 75 so that's right. 10 different artists. Yeah. Oh, wow. yeah. So there were 75 issues. It ran for 75 issues. Yeah. What was also Zoe. always so cool was the the, um, the covers to them. Yeah, by it Dave McKean. It was kind of like the mixed media and just yeah. really, real abstract. But that kind of like... He'd use photography I feel like that, and sculpture. And that and tied the whole series. That art look to it just mm-hmm. tied it all together art-wise. Oh, yeah. you, know, like, you, knew, you knew when you went to the store... Like you could see among all these like crime fighting superhero books, yeah. that was Sandman. You yeah. could see it from from yeah. Dave McKean stood out like a sore thumb. Yeah, got to meet both of them too. They were very, very British and very very <laughs> pleasant fellows. Very cool. Yeah, Sandman, love it. All right, um, my number two. This one is kind of a is this is definitely one of a one an influential one. Uh, from my childhood, the, my first stint in comics, and it's the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, 1984 Mirage Studios The series. original. The original. Teenage yes, Mutant Ninja Turtles. the original series. <laughs> um, black and white. The black and white, yeah, gritty. Gritty. Teenage Mutant Ninja Real. Turtles. I mean, the first time I, yeah, the first time I was ever exposed yeah. to the Turtles was the, was the cartoon. And, uh, and then a buddy of mine was like, listen, man, they, they, um, they're, they came from a comic book, dude, and um, and it's it's totally different, man. You should check it out. So, I remember you know going to I remember like calling like going through the phone book and like calling like all the comic book stores in Denver oh. and like, do you have any Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? Not the Archie series, but the, <laughs> the Mirage the, Studios. The Archie series. And then they're like, yes, yes, we do. You know, they're so like, like, stop like, calling us. Yeah, exactly. So like, I finally begged my mom to like drive me down to. 
I don't even know which one it was. It might have been the coin bar up there on Wadsworth. And uh, Colorado Coin Cards and Comics. I remember I don't know that, what yeah. you call it. But yeah, and I remember I, I like found oh. like like six issues that were not even in order, were not chronologically in order, but that I could afford of the that series and like bought them, brought them home and just like studied them and like was kind of obsessed with it. So, yeah. but then like you later, alone. later in the, yeah. yeah, in the, in the past, um, I don't know, five or six years, they, you know, they've released them all like the, the complete editions in, in, mm-hmm. in like hardback collected. So I actually went back and read them and it's, it's cool, man. It's cool. Like, all those characters that came from the cartoon and the toy lines and all the almost majority of them came from the important ones came from the series. You know? Oh hell yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, so it was fun to all revisit the that. that came and back. I'm thinking, you know, in in my personal journey into comics and stuff, and you know, I, I just have really fond memories of that of those those comics. Those were ones that I uh, those were the ones that I would read first when yeah. I would come home from the comic shop. You know, definitely. So. Cool. Yeah. Well, it brought, turtles brought a lot of banter. They yeah. had a lot of sarcasm and a lot of comedy and stuff in the in the turtles. Yeah. yeah. A lot of uh, satirical situations. Yeah. And too, even, I mean, even I was like looking at the Wikipedia and it said like Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird. They like they just intended it to be a one issue one shot thing right. that was kind of parodying like Daredevil, Daredevil and like Cerebus mm-hmm. and Cerebus and right. the New Mutants because they're like yeah. we want teenagers but we want like That's animal mutants yep. and then ninjas yeah. or whatever so yeah. like that's and it, I mean the artwork is kind of the original art there you can see that there, there's a nod to like the Frank Miller Daredevil mm-hmm. oh, kind of yeah. you know mm-hmm. style I would say for totally. sure so anyways that's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles original series original 62 series. issues that's my alright <clears throat> okay so, so my number two I'm going to speed it up here because we're going to lo- run low on time uh, so my number two is once again Frank Quietly Graham Morrison uh, All-Star Superman, the Very entire nice. series. Well, we um, talked about that. Huh? Amazing comic book. <laughs> just nice. go just go read it. It's 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 so fresh. It's it takes the premise of Superman and makes it fresh again and it's just such a good feeling of a comic. It it feels like a warm hug like you like you're you're meeting uh, like you're becoming a child again or something. It's it's great. So check it out. All-Star All-Star oh. Superman. Yes, I've, I've read it. I love it. I agree. And it's that's definitely something you can like Introduce somebody that's not yeah. even into comics because yeah. it doesn't necessarily. You don't need to know need anything continuity about continuity or anything, and it's, it's totally like, free of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and they're familiar. And you just jump in and it's it's a f- enjoy all it. the characters, even if they're not into comics, you're familiar with the other medium. Yeah, other they know exactly. who Lois Lane is. They know who Superman is. They normally know what the Daily Planet yeah, is. And the, the spoiler alert for everybody it. out there is. Uh, Imagine if you had Superman's powers for 24 hours. That was my right. favorite part of that storyline. Yeah. That was crazy. <laughs> all right. So are we no, to number uno, no, number one. uno huh, of all time? Huh? Okay, well, that's not very hard. We talked about this guy enough. The, the crazy psycho British genius <laughs> that brought me really back into comics. The Dark Knight Returns got me into the shop, but Alan Moore's Swamp Thing run is what made me a comic fan again. Very nice. That was that the is some most, spooky stuff. Very that nice. is the most... Uh, I remember opening bo- uh, issues of that run going, this is a comic book. This is a, this isn't a comic book? No, this isn't a... What? What am I... Was, was just so bra- groundbreaking, yeah. So controversial in the artwork, the beset, and the totally even. I don't know how in the world they were able to 
make his vision come to life, but it was the new origin, the yeah. way he uh, approached how he how he tapped into the green and in the space odyssey, how Batman tried to take him down and no. Yeah. <laughs> I mean That's... Batman Batman pretty much could have killed Superman in the Dark Knight Returns. I mean Batman's figured out how to take out Clark Kent. Yeah. Nah, he can't take out no swamp thing. He tried like <laughs> hell though. Yeah. <laughs> That's one of those that I need to read too. Um it's it's I have the first couple of trades of that and um I need to just sit down and read the whole series because it was funny, I read the uh Scott Snyder New Fifty Two relaunch of Swamp Thing. Oh, yeah. You know it was awesome and I, I told Jeff Dude, you're a big Swamp Thing fan. You got to read this, dude. And he read it, and he was like, "Dude, you got to read the original because there's all kinds of references." There's so in many here. references, and like, you know, he's like, "You enjoyed this, like, right. go next level and read right. the real deal." Right. You know. So. Well, I'm gonna warn you about the Alan Moore Swamp Thing run. Remember uh, when I came in for Volume Eight of Why and it wasn't there yet? If you want to be punching holes in the wall, because that stuff's like uh, crack cocaine. It's very addictive. <laughs> Hard to find. Very nice. Very nice. Yeah, we can That's never. Great, but People come into the store and it's like we're missing one or two of them all the time. It's right. in what thirty years later. Okay, my number one. Your number one, Chris. We're going way back. We're going back to nineteen fifty. <laughs> we're going back to EC Comics and we're oh, going yeah. back to Tales from the Crypt. Ah, oh, nice. Wow. Um, That's a good one. It's another one of those things oh. that, I mean, it, it was very looking back. It, it was very influential. I mean. The fact that it got banned and basically created because of that the comics code was created that you know sent the whole medium in this superhero era that mm-hmm. we kind of are still kind of in today let's get serious mm-hmm. but um uh look as a kid one of my what, what got me into like horror movies and comics and stuff was we would go up to my grandma's house and she had a VCR. We did not have a VCR. And she had like a few video cassettes. And one of them was Creep Show. Oh, and the other yeah. one was Twilight Zone, the movie, dude. So I, these were like two movies I watched over and over and just loved. <laughs> Me too. And, and I, yeah. you know, I, I, I ended up getting the Creep Show graphic novel. Yep. That, you know, and, and all that, it's really an homage to the Tales from the Crypt. Yep. And then later in the early 90s, they ended up reprinting a bunch of those. And that was when I was kind of in my first real comic book phase. So I would get those and read those too. And, you know, everything that that I really love and most passionate about pop culture-wise, horror movies, comics, and all that, it all comes back to Tales from the Crypt. So. And well, the HBO the series artists. wasn't bad either. It was from the TV and stuff. But yeah, yeah. It, was, it was ahead Hollywood, of its time. Hollywood, the Arnold, Arnold yeah. Kurtzman. It was yeah. A, yeah, the TV series was a little bit ahead of its time now. I mean, if it came out today, you know, it was well, basically American be, Horror Story. They're supposed you know? to be rebooting it. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Um, all those EC books were great. Yeah. So the pre-code and all that. Yeah. And, yeah, Weird so, science, all that great stuff. So that's, that's my number one of awesome. all time, in my opinion. So my number one, we can make it short and sweet because I think... Jeff already said everything that needed to be said about it. Uh, Sandman by Neil Gaiman. Oh, right on. (laughs) So specifically, I think my favorite was, and I I would recommend anybody uh, to read the whole thing, but if you just had time for just one, uh, read, I think it's volume five or six, called Seasons of the Mist. Seasons of Mist. Seasons of Mist. Thank you, sorry. And it basically just begins with a simple premise, uh, what if the devil decided to quit hell, quit running hell? 
and that's that's basically it. And go be and go be on a buddy cop show, right? On, right. On yeah. Fox. <laughs> if, you've, if you've seen this show, Lucifer, that's the beginning premise. That's where this show comes from. Is this is this story that began in Sandman and Neil Gaiman Sandman? Well, he deceives so. Morpheus into ending up with the key to hell. So right. now Morpheus right. is now in possession in control. of. Right. Uh, yeah, because yep. he he don't he he. Lucifer and Morpheus, uh, something happened where Lucifer is going, yeah. getting back at him. Yeah. Yeah. Something happens. Yeah. Very great yeah. storyline. And one thing I did hear, uh, possible, maybe we may be seeing it on the big screen finally. <laughs> Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Insane. Really? But yeah, he's been talking to Neil Gaiman. Well, so. pretty good. If they do it, might as well do it now when they can do right. it right. When they can do everything now, they're doing everything. Yeah. Exactly. They've met a couple times now. So they they didn't try to do it when they, they did, like... Little, you know, they say they never try to make that like they never make the spawn with the movie. Right. All that stuff yeah. like that. Um, so we're gonna get to our low five. Our low five is the worst villains of all time, and we're not talking like the worst as in most evil. We're talking as lame. the worst as lame, incredibly lame. <laughs> and uh, I think I think we're just gonna go like one by one. Well, by you one. know, like you here's your five. list, here's my list. Yeah. So, right. and, Why don't you start, Chris, and then I'll we'll go. go from there. Um, I'm gonna find mine. Okay. Well, mine's going to be a little controversial. Well, Chris can go, and then I'll go, and then Jeff All right, cool. Can well, mine's going to be a little controversial because some people may consider some of these villains cool <laughs> or worthy cool. or... I like that. I like the Whatever. Joker. So I'm going to go with my number five. Like penguin. My number five is Doomsday. Not a big fan. The guy either. who killed Superman. The guy who killed Superman. Basically, I mean, my, my reason for putting big, him on this list is the reason... <laughs> yeah, he's like a rock monster that came from, like, the inner something of Krypton. And, um, the inner something of Krypton, yeah. That's about <laughs> the all The inner it something of Krypton. <laughs> but, um, but, I mean, they basically just created... Inner space. They cre- created him just to kill Superman, yep. you know? Right. And they, they, create, they killed is- Superman just to sell comics. Exactly. And just to make an event. So... Uh, which will kind of brings me to my number four list. My number four on my list. So, um, you know, fool me once, shame on you. I bought that. Fool me twice, shame on me. But uh, and I'm gonna go with number four, Bane. Another character, same, Bane, same, 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 same thing. deal. They what, created we, Bane just to break Batman's back. Right. You just know. To and his, much. I mean, his origin's a little bit more interesting, but not really. I mean, they're like he was like and it's raised in a jail, yeah, he and was, he's super but intelligent. But they never really portray him as in that intelligent, right, especially. Right, right. He's supposed to be Batman's equal in intelligence and strength. Yeah, but they never show the intelligence side. It's just yeah, he's super I mean, strong. He kind of had they yeah, Barry Bonds and Mark McGuire. They called it Venom. It was steroids. Right, he was, yeah, they tried to they tried to make him like I guess they tried to make him sort of like intelligent and. The, in the in the movie that that latest movie, but um, I fried his brain in the comics. yeah. It was I don't he know. Was so lame. Bane, I agree. Bane is lame. No point. Same thing. They just created him for an event to sell comics. Really, you know. Right. And um, my number three, I, I was just doing some research on silly, ridiculous villains, and um, my number three is a villain from the Marvel universe. She was a, a villain of the Defenders. <laughs> named Ruby Thursday, <laughs> not Tuesday. Did that come out? On, did that come out in the seventies? Yeah, it came guess. out in the seventies, and it's like, and her name yeah. was a reference to the Rolling Stones song. Oh, I'm like, oh, oh really? You know, like, <laughs> but it, and so her her story is she's like this computer genius or something. So she creates this like red computer ball that she replaces her head with. So she has like a That's human right, body yeah. with this little red ball on her head. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so ridiculous, terrible, ridiculous. My number two. 
Um, I'm gonna go with Mr. Mick, Mr. Mixelplate. Well, if you can say his name. <laughs> yeah. Um, kind of a ridiculous super, another ridiculous super man villain, and I guess that's why, you know, Batman and the Joker are like the best like hero villain thing. You know, it's them, yeah. way better than even better than Superman Lex Luthor. Um, it's just a dude. Yeah, yeah. So, like, that's Superman's biggest problem. He doesn't have, like, an equal villain, right. you know, especially Doomsday. So, uh, Mixelplicked was this little, like, elf dude, and he was from another dimension, and the only way to get rid of him was to somehow trick him into writing it or saying his name backwards, and mm-hmm. pointless. say it forward. Yeah, you know, so pointless. And my number one worst villain of all time. Back in the early 90s, the Marvel was just... You, not, comics were real big, and they they put out a lot of silly, bizarre books. And they put out this book called NFL Super Pro, and it was <laughs> it was like this kind of NFL tie-in. Yeah. So in in issue number two of NFL Super Pro, he battles a villain called Quick Kick. Jeez. Oh, and Quick Kick is a field goal kicker turned evil ninja. Oh jeez. So I mean, football. Let's get serious. Field, field kickers are the worst. Field goal anyway. kickers are hardly so, football players. They didn't have to go very Let far. Let alone that villains. Out. But like, can you get more generic? Than a field goal kicker I'm turned evil like ninja. Dick Buttkiss yeah. is your villain, not a, so, a field goal. I don't kicker. know. Everybody, go search your dollar bins. NFL Super Pro issue two: the first appearance of Quick Kick. Awesome. Kicker turned yeah. evil ninja. Those are my five worst, lamest villains of all time. Terrible. All right. Uh, I'll go real quick. Um, I'll start off with Ten-Eyed Man. Basically what it says, he was a Batman villain who was uh, caught in an explosion and his optic nerves were surgically reattached to all ten of his fingers. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's uh, it's pretty bad. His That's powers easy. were uh, so everybody could see him laughing at him or something. And then there's... Uh, so I, next I have... Brianna Brilliant. He, she was a Wonder Woman villain. Um, she was called the Blue Snowman. So she was a woman who disguised herself as a man who dressed up like a snowman. She that was it. That was it. Go over real well on this team. Wow. Okay. Wow. <laughs> uh, then there's a uh, have Stilt Man, who was a villain of Spider Man, who basically just had Daredevil. Like oh, Dan Daredevil. Yeah, he had mechanical legs that just stretched. That's it. That, that was he walked around on stilts. Yeah, he, he was walked around stilts. Yeah, walked around <laughs> stilts. Um, and then I get into like terrible stereotypes. I have Egg Foo as my number two. Egg Foo was a giant. This came out like in the '40s, so it was a giant Asian egg that was just a terrible stereotype of Asian Which, people. Which is DC Marvel. This was DC. It was a Wonder Woman villain. Oh wow! And he was just a giant egg, no hands, no legs, but mm-hmm. his like huge Fu Manchu mustache he could use to egg like Fu. grab people and stuff. Wow. And then my number one was a villain from the 70s. Go figure. He was a Spider-Man villain called the Hypno-Hustler. Oh, Oh, very nice. He was a black-souled disco singer who had a band called the Mercy Killers. And basically his power was they would perform and the music would hypnotize you and make you fall asleep or something and they would just rob you. So... (laughs) <laughs> Another terrible stereotype. Yeah. Um, yeah don't turn yeah. into a bad guy. I remember that one. Yeah. Okay, mine real quick. Captain Cold, he's just a takeoff of Mr. Freeze, and he's like the Flash's <laughs> ultimate villain. And they're, and he's and they're both in the, the DC universe. universe. What yeah. I'm like, what? Oh, yeah, it's not like it was Hawkeye, Green Arrow, you know, right. they'd have all, and Quicksilver in the Flash. Paystop Pete. I mean, what would the guy shot glue out of his gun? I mean, what, and then they changed his name to what, the, the glue guy or something? I don't remember. The other one was like the Shocker. 
I mean, you got Electro. Yeah, that guy scares me. He's going to electrocute you. What, the shockers and give you... Another, he's a Spider-Man villain, too, like Electro. He's going to give you a little 220 jolt. Yeah. Zap, zap. Oh, you're yeah. going to shock you. Yeah. What got you on stun? Electro's going to zap your eyes out. Basically, walking around on the carpet in socks. That's <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's exactly. going to give you some little static. <laughs> and then the, the, the Mole Man. I mean, what's this guy? I, just, I still don't know what his power is. He just can't I, I, see very well loneliness. because he lives under... That, his power is loneliness. And, and he can, can he controls those little mole people or right. monsters. Yeah. Why? Because he can't see? I, I don't know. <laughs> He's not a mutant. I don't know what he... And then the Silt Man. That's just like when the guy walks around on stilts. That's right. his power. I can walk around on stilts. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, if I had on... And they're like 100 it's, feet tall. And right, what, right. Yeah, I'd be like, yeah, Obviousness. you're going to fall over on them stilts. <laughs> you can walk in on those things. There's a there's a book called League of Regrettable Superheroes and it has some of these pe- these these villains in it as well that we just discussed. So <laughs> yeah. It's great. Yeah. So if you want to know more, yeah, I wanted to look online, but check out that book. I wanted to look online. The more you know, but I, I, I said no. You got to come up with. Oh, stuff good job. But I'll go look online now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I was sure someone was going to do Quilt Man or whatever. Quilt oh, I thought about that guy, but these were just. Way terrible. All right, we are All almost right. out of time, but we are going to have our guest Jeff give us a topic for our next episode. Well, I just want to tell you, fellas, thanks a lot for having me come. It was a, a pleasure talking about my my passion, the, the periodicals, with the pictures and the words. Oh, also, um, Jeff Jeff has a Jeff runs the Mile High Comics Twitter account. Um, yeah. Where could where could our listeners follow your cover of the day, your comic covers of the day? And I do trivia contests, too, at the Jason Street location. We'll be having one here sometime end of March. Cool. Yes. So we'll be twitting away about that thing. Yeah, so look for the Mile High Comics Jason Street. What is the Twitter Twitter handle called? At it's uh, MHC at Jason Street. All right. Check Excellent. it out. Okay, well, next week uh, these fellows are going to be discussing their top five favorite music videos of all time. Ah, very okay. nice, dude. Excellent. I like it. I like that a lot. <laughs> yeah, you could always do the top worst videos of all time. That's pretty we easy might category. Do something like that. Yeah, two. We'll definitely do that for the top. Yeah. That'll be our top five. Top five. Awesome, top five music videos. Do they still make music videos? They do. They are now on YouTube. They're YouTube. Oh, yeah. Basically, MTV that's, that's where you go. No longer shows them. They're all on YouTube. YouTube. Um, thanks again to uh, Meet the Giant for our theme music and... Subscribe to us on iTunes or SoundCloud, and if you have any suggestions of topics, future topics, go ahead and email us at high5downloadpodcast at gmail.com. This is Chris Brunn saying see you later. This is Demi, a.k.a. Demetrio. See you later. Beep, 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 beep.